Hey there, and welcome to Talking Out. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are coming to you live via podcast from our good friends at the River City News. Hey, River City News, go find them. They actually write good stuff. Welcome to the show. We're very excited to be here with you today. Uh, It is officially June, which means Pride season. Just went to Dayton Pride the other day. It was a really, really fun experience. Uh, Great job to all the organizers up in Dayton. Cincinnati Pride is coming up on June 25th. Be sure to come out. It's at Sawyer Point, June 25th, Cincinnati Pride. Great. So today we have uh, a really fun community organization uh, that we want to introduce you to. And you might be familiar, you might not. Uh, but we have with us the Executive Director of Community Shares, uh, Michelle Dillingham, is here. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, everybody. It's so great uh, to have you in the, in the studio here today. Uh, community Shares, or Community Shares is a, a great community organization uh, that works to essentially fund other organizations. Can you tell us a little bit about, just broad overview in case people aren't familiar, what is Community Shares, what do you guys do? Sure. So Community Shares of Greater Cincinnati we do fundraising and for the most part it is through workplace giving and so we raise funds for local nonprofits and causes um, through companies who open their doors to us and allow us to do a campaign drive and we raise those funds through employee giving and it's one of the more effective ways to do fundraising Um, so You might have heard of some other similar organizations that raise money this way. One is United Way, of course. United Way does um, fundraising that way. And, of course, ArtsWave is Mm -hmm. the second, and they raise money for arts, community arts. Now, and so Community Shares is sort of the third uh, workplace giving entity locally. Um, To do this sort of fundraising, it's actually pretty rigorous. You have to do a federal and a state and local applications to be a federation to raise money this way. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it seems like probably a lot of paperwork on that end, right? Oh, yeah. Gotcha. So you go into these uh, these businesses or these organizations, and uh, you get them to... Uh, not only agree uh, to have you guys in, but then you have to to sell it to the employees, right? Right. Well, and also let me say that what's unique about Community Shares is um, we raise money for organizations who specifically are working in the areas of social justice, economic justice, and a healthy environment. So they have to, their mission and their work has to fit into one of those three categories that's different from the other workplace campaigns that I mentioned before. Great. Yeah. And most of the, the groups that you guys work with, too, mm-hmm. are local. They're, they're Cincinnati organizations or Cincinnati-based organizations for the most part, right? They definitely have a physical place, and their work is in Cincinnati. Some of them are affiliated with national organizations, such as Glisten. Oh, yeah. we know Glisten. Yeah. Those guys are fun. Uh, so who else are mm-hmm. you guys working with just on... Uh, and you have what over twenty? Well, every or so? year it sort of changes, but we typically have around. Um, this year we have twenty-three causes, local nonprofits that we are raising money for for this year. And some of those, um, you know, I could list them all, but that might be boring. But um, again, they fit into one of those three categories. Interesting. So you guys have some LGBT organizations. Yes, uh, you we just do. mentioned Glisten. Uh, who else benefits from community shares? Well, we have this year we have Equality Cincinnati, and we have Glisten, and um, we 
also, you know, it, although their mission might not be specifically serving, you know, LGBTQ persons, um, there's a lot of organizations that are sort of social justice minded and like are working in the areas of justice. And the way I could describe that is, for example, Muse is our um, local choir and they are dedicated to musical excellence and social change. Um, and so they're an all-women's chorus, and they do a lot of amazing work. So even though, you know, that's an example, they might not be specifically, we're about LGBTQ, but they are sort of like a feminist chorus, and yeah, they absolutely. have some great stuff going on there. So if we had a local nonprofit, uh, or we were starting one, and we wanted to uh, be a beneficiary, I guess, of, of community shares, What's that process uh, like for getting started? Mm -hmm. Like, can we just come up to you and say, hey, Michelle, I need some cash? Right. Or is there, like, an application process? Or how do you guys vet these guys? Yeah, so every year in October, we have sort of an open house. Um, if you're a nonprofit and you are hoping to join our federation so that we can raise money for you, you come in and we explain to you, you know, all the things that are required Things like having 501c3 nonprofit status, things like having an audit. So there's a kind of a laundry list of things you need. Now, if you're not quite there yet, another thing we do is we help nonprofits or groups sort of build capacity so that they can later become um, part of our portfolio. So you come in October, and then we do this big application and this vetting process. Um, we do site visits. Um, because we want to ensure the people who are giving the money, you know, are confident that these are good causes, that they are, you know, financially strong and all that. So, and in March, um, we announce our new members for that year because all of this happens mostly in the fall. So if you're in a company that we work with, you'll see all the campaigns and the pledge drives all sort of start in the fall time. Yeah. Seems so. to be a good time to get everybody. You know, it's just before the holidays. Everybody's starting to look at their taxes and say, oh, my goodness, I need to give right. uh, some, some charitable contributions, either for my taxes or because I haven't done it yet today or mm -hmm. this, this year, and I want to do my good deed. Yeah. Um, but I want to go back for a second again about the early days of community shares. Sure, yeah. Because, you know, one of the, you know, early members um, was, in fact, Stonewall, Cincinnati. Um, interesting story there. So, you know, we're celebrating 20 years this year. Oh, wow. So 20 years ago, um, a group of folks said, you know what? Um, we need to raise money for these important causes, right? And they recognized the fact that at that time, United Way was sort of um, getting much more strategic and sort of laser focused on only certain areas that they would fund. Um, and today we know those as their bold goals. But 20 years ago, some organizations found that they were no longer welcome into the RFB process, right? So a group said, well, you know what, darn it, we need our own workplace giving campaign. And I always tell this story when I got the job, there's this old file cabinet in my office, and it has a bumper sticker, and it said, um, rebels with a workplace campaign, you know? So <laughs> we were very much um, at that time a group that said, we recognize the need to fund these organizations. We don't fit into the United Way model anymore, um, so let's start our own. So that's very much our origin. Um, I'm told by, actually Scott Knox told me the story how we were trying to get into the city of Cincinnati as a workplace campaign, and some of the members of council at that time 
didn't want us in because Stonewall was one of the members we were raising money for. Yeah, and those were, um, you know, back in the days of Article 12, so. Right. So it was very much our origin and our, our whole sort of um, flavor, I like to call it, is really m very much about um, going to bat for, for the little guy or the guy who's been shut out or... Um, and so now that we're in these workplaces, the amazing thing is that there are people out there who really do care about these causes, who are willing to spend a little bit. I, I always tell people, if you looked at how much I spend at Starbucks, right, compared to <laughs> what I could give at a, through a workplace campaign, you know, what's 10 bucks, 20 bucks? That's why it's such a beautiful thing to give through payroll, because you don't really notice that little bit of money missing, and yet it goes directly to the causes you care about. And then they get a check, and it's unrestricted, and they get to focus on their mission. So that's, you know, the great thing about it. Yeah, and you're you're spot on about the the workplace giving. I do that uh, through through my day job, and uh, you're right. You don't even miss it. You just kind of uh, expect it as one of the expenses, like any of the taxes uh, that mm -hmm. are deducted or your benefits uh, yes. that get deducted. So it's a great way to give. Um, so now with the organizations that you guys help, mm -hmm. um, how do they go about distributing the money? Is there mm -hmm. sort of a flat rate for everyone or mm -hmm. do different organizations get different levels of right. investment? Well, that's a great question. And that's what also makes us very unique um, is that we say we are total choice in workplace giving. That means if you want to give 10 bucks to Equality and you want to give $8 to Glisten and over here you want to give $5 to Keep Cincinnati Beautiful. Um, whatever you designate goes to that organization. Um, again, that's different than some of the other workplace um, federations where um, you sort of generally give and then they figure out how the distribution happens. So again, we're total choice in giving. And um, so that means... Um, you know, different organizations might receive different size checks because it's all about um, what people are designating. Yeah, that, I think that is interesting because yeah. uh, e even my understanding uh, was a little, you know, lax, I guess, on, on how you guys actually divvy that up. Uh, but that's interesting that, that you, the consumer, can essentially say that I want to support this, this, and this, and not, th and not these. Right. Um, and even through the, the campaign that I'm a part of through, through our day job is... Um, you ranked these organizations, mm. but we didn't get to, you know, really say, you know, not this one or not that one. We, we just right. sort of ranked everything into one, two, three, what I want to support and what I don't. Right. Um, so that's, that's very interesting. So obviously th these organizations are, are justice minded. Uh, who are some of the, the people that, that mm -hmm. help fund uh, community shares? Who are some of your mm -hmm. workplace partners? Well, we have uh, the city of Cincinnati, um, which is great. Um, so all city employees can participate. We have the Hamilton County Public Library. We have uh, the University of Cincinnati. We have Miami U. Um, so the list goes on. It's mostly big public sector employers. And that's um, really what our goal is moving forward, is we really want to engage with um, more middle or small employers that are local to Cincinnati and engage with their employees um, and talk about how this is very much about total choice, local giving, um, 
so there's some employers out there that we're pursuing right now that we're trying to pitch to say, hey, um, this is a benefit for your employees. They can participate. And what it gives the company is the company can uh, know that they're really giving back. They are participating locally in giving back to causes that are affecting directly um, men, women, children, and animals, I have to say, because we also fund the League of Animal Welfare and UCAN, United Coalition for Animals, uh, which do important spay and neutering um, services for low-income families. Um, and that's unique again. Um, you're not going to find um, them being funded, you know, by your traditional like United Way, like for example. And and that's the point that we really hammer in is that these are organizations doing really important local work, and yet they have a difficult time sometimes finding traditional funding because they may be doing legislative advocacy or prevention work or work with animals. And so in these days where there is so much need out there and resources are really hard to come by, um, this is really a good way for them to be able to get funding. Sure. And I think it's uh, a little bit easier for them to get funding from a social justice-minded organization like yours, mm-hmm. especially when they're doing work, say, like uh, Planned Parenthood. Uh, exactly. Right? They do so much more than what everyone sort of demonizes Planned Parenthood for, but they do a lot of education, a lot of testing, a lot of awareness, but they can't seem to always mm-hmm. get their funding from a traditional source, uh, be that Congress or United Way or mm-hmm. you know some of these other larger organizations that really pump a mm-hmm. lot of cash into uh, nonprofits. And... I think everybody who's either been on the board of a nonprofit or has uh, worked at a nonprofit mm-hmm. knows that you know when you're a, a small local uh, shop, every one of those dollars counts. For sure, you know, and Planned Parenthood is. is I'm glad you raised that because um, that was, you know, again one of our um, very early partners. Um, recognizing the fact that they were not able to raise money in a lot of traditional ways, like you mentioned, and yet you know, the function that they serve in our local community uh, for reproductive health um, is is just so critical. And um, so we're really uh, proud to be able to have them in our portfolio. Now, for those who um, might have wrong with Planned Parenthood, we say you don't have to give to Planned Parenthood. You can select some other, you know, charitable organization, of course, and and give th- to them. That's what total choice means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great way. I mean, you just essentially vote with your feet. Um, yeah. Now, you guys also work uh, with the Homeless Coalition. Yeah. Um, and remind me again, were you uh, were you on the board or working there? I remind Yeah, that was my one. previous job. I was the director of education at the Homeless Coalition. Okay. Yeah, yeah. right before I came to Community Shares. So it's kind of like I'll keep it in the family, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the Homeless Coal, again, you know, this is an organization who's really focused on sort of the macro level um, issue. Um, So instead of, um, you know, focusing on how many shelter beds can we create, it's more about, you know, what are the systemic, you know, issues causing the problem of homelessness and how can we address those and again that's what i love about community shares it's we're able to fund those things that are working i call it upstream um so there's this sort of like we call it a parable like a social work parable about the babies in the water have you heard of the story I heard that. <laughs> okay so there's a river 
and um, there's some villagers down at the river, you know, cleaning their clothes or whatever. And one day they see a baby floating down the river. And they go, oh my gosh, it's a baby floating down the river. So somebody go, wades out, grabs the baby. Well, the next day there's more babies and the babies start floating down the river. And, and so they, kept, they make nets and they have a watchtower built and they build all this infrastructure to make sure they catch all the babies, right? And it's this whole thing. And then one day, a couple of the villagers start walking upstream and they go, hey, hey, where are you going? You gotta stay down here and help us catch all these babies. And they say, we're going upstream to see where these babies are coming from, right? And so that's the parable. It's saying, it's important, the downstream work, right? Like we gotta catch the babies, we gotta you know, clothe and feed and um, do the direct charitable work. Um, but somebody needs to go upstream and figure out who is throwing all these babies in the river, right? Like, what is the problem? And if we can stop it upstream, then we don't need all this infrastructure downstream, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the story we use. Yeah. And so we say we fund those organizations that work upstream so that we can decrease the charitable need. You know, sometimes you'll hear, you know, if we had social justice, we wouldn't need charity. Sure. Right? <laughs> like, if there was true justice and equality going on, for example, Equality Cincinnati, the issues they work on. I mean, if there was justice and there was equality and fairness, um, we wouldn't need Equality Cincinnati to be out there doing their, their work, right? Yeah. And, and I think so. you guys, that's an, an interesting concept to, you know, as you called it, work upstream. Uh, because there's, it's so easy to just throw money or throw services at a problem. Mm-hmm. And while you might mitigate some of the factors uh, that go along mm-hmm. with it, whether it's homelessness or, uh, you know, joblessness or any number of mm-hmm. issues, you can yeah. constantly, uh, you know, try to throw the cash at it, but you're not addressing the true problem. Right. Uh, so that's great that you guys are, are working with, you know, and as I look at your list that you have here, I think there's a lot of great names uh, on that mm-hmm. list that, that do a lot of really important work and even, you know, keep Cincinnati beautiful. I think uh, mm-hmm. that's an organization that a lot of people kind of forget about sometimes Yeah. Uh, because they're out there working, they're doing community cleanups, and it's a great organization that obviously keeps mm-hmm. us looking sharp all the time. Um, yeah. But again, one that probably isn't going to be high on the list of priorities unless you actually like put them on a, yeah. a menu for somebody. Well, and unfortunately they're funding, you know, they used to be funded through a community development block grant, you know, and of course those dollars are always being rated for different various reasons. And that's the story too, with one of our newer members, everybody rides Metro. It's our newest member. They're a transit organization. They provide um, bus fare literally for low income families to get to school and work. And they just lost a huge federal grant. And so that now they're having to diversify and look for new funding. Hmm. And so we've just added them to our group. Um, but I also want to say about upstream work is the other thing about it is that it's, it's typically harder because it's more political. Things become political very quickly when you start looking at the sources of problems. And that's why, again, it's harder to get support sometimes. Also, for some people, and I learned this at the Homeless Coalition, people like doing downstream work, too. Like, there's something about um, doing immediate charity that makes people feel good about themselves. Or they see a direct, like, I gave this man a coat. I can see him wearing the coat now. I now feel good that I gave him a coat. If I ask you to show up at City Hall and sit in the audience for four hours during a debate about affordable housing... I don't know if you're going to feel just as good than you, when you gave that 
you know, cold man a coat. I mean, I do because I'm one of those maybe weird, you know, policy Yeah, I was going to say, like, you and I would probably <laughs> love to just sit there and you know, stand up in the middle. No, you're wrong. <laughs> right. But to convince people that you're, this is just, if not more important to do the policy work and the prevention work than to do the charitable work. That's the challenge. Yeah. Indeed. So you guys uh, have an event coming up. Um, we do. To help fund uh, all of these great organizations. Can you tell us a little bit about what that uh, event is? Yes, it is called Gourmet Grub for Good. And it is a amateur chef competition. And that's what I love about the event is everybody loves a good good food competition. I mean, my husband, all he does is watch those, you know, those food shows, Chopped or whatever. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but... Um, it used to be called Guys, Griddles, and Grub or something like that, and it was just men chefs, but now uh, we've diversified. and it's um... So how it works is every one of our member organizations that we fund pr- produces an amateur chef, and you walk into the event, and there's 40, up to 40 amateur chefs, and you get to go around and sample the different dishes, and you get to rate who has the best dish, and there's a wonderful silent auction, um, so it's a really a fun time. And it's also a fun, a way to interact with all our different organizations. And so it, it's, it's really a fun time and it is an important event for us. It's our one annual fundraiser that we have once a year. And this year we will have it at the Kennedy Heights cultural arts campus annex, which is uh, a mouthful, but it's, um, not the Kennedy Heights art center. It's actually down the road. It's the new cultural arts campus in Kennedy Heights. And as we speak, Artswork is installing this beautiful, huge mural on the building. Oh, that's It's exciting. a former, like, uh, furniture fair or, like, Kroger building that's been turned into this cultural art space. Um, so it's really beautiful. So come out. So when you come to the event on August 13th, the mural will have just been finished. Excellent. So, yeah. And just uh, remind us again of the details of the event. When is it? Where is right. it? What time? How much? Saturday, August 13th, 7 p.m. to 10. Uh, you can get your tickets on our website, Cinti Shares. That's C-I-N-T-I Shares.com. Or, sorry, dot org. Um, but it is... Yes, those are the details. Oh, and the tickets, they're only $45. Boom. So $45, yeah. pretty much all you can eat. Great food, good time. Beer and wine. I yes. will be there. Great. It's going to be, I, I love to eat anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to make sure that, that I come out, get some good uh, amateur food. Some good grub. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, we'll put all of this uh, information on the event up on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash talking out. And uh, we'll make sure that everybody gets to hear about it so that we can all come join you. Great. So in our last few minutes here, mm-hmm. I do want to talk a little bit about uh, some other news uh, that you personally have. Oh. And that's your running for Cincinnati City Council, right? <gasps> yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. So you're like the second person in the race already for 2017. Uh, I think there was another one that already announced. Yeah, they're going to all start coming out. It'll Everyone, all start. Yep. <laughs> I'm guessing. How many people do you think are going to be in the race this year? Well, usually there's about, um, what, 21 to 25 um, so it'll probably be that some, somewhere in there. I'm going to, I'm going to guess right now and we'll see if I'm right. I'm mm-hmm. going to guess 27. Wow. Yeah. So big field. Mm-hmm. 
obviously you kicked off your event. You had a great event, huge turnout uh, mm-hmm. at Bromwell's Hearth Lounge a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do this time mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be a little bit different from the last campaign? Yeah. Yeah. So I ran in 2013 and I came in 12th place. I came very close um, in an election year where we had really record low turnout, which is not a good thing, especially for um, a Democrat like myself. In fact, more Republicans voted than Democrats in that race in the city. A lot of people don't know that. But um, so this time, what I hope is that there'll be more people voting <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and more people voting that, you know, maybe share some of, you know, what I talked about, which was um, similar to my professional work, which is a lot about the importance of engagement and neighborhoods and, um, and equality and access to city hall and sort of, um, you know, I come out of sort of the David Crowley, um, I've worked for him for four years, and um, I can tell you he was um, amazing at engagement and coalition building and partnerships and community. Um, and, you know, there's a street named after him in Mount Adams for a reason, um, yeah, because he was able to really draw people in to address the tough issues of our city, namely gun violence, um, you know, housing crisis, um, just the list goes on. Now we're amid a heroin epidemic of epic proportions. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of t- tough issues. And I'm going to approach it like I do everything else as a social worker, <laughs> someone who recognizes that I don't have all the answers, but they're, all of us together working together, you know, we can really get some things done. So Yeah, you know, and I think we've seen uh, with a, a number of things, especially um, – you know, in the last, I'd say, four to six years, uh, when mm. we see our council working together, yeah, we actually see some really cool things being done. Yes, um, you know, and obviously there's some some pretty deep divisions uh, among mm. council and the mayor right now. Mm. Uh, so that's going to be uh, an interesting road to navigate. Uh, but you even touched on the point earlier, though, which is so much of whether it's community shares or the partner organizations that, that you guys work with mm-hmm. or uh, any other uh, organization in the city or mm-hmm. around the state, it all comes back to politics at some point. Yeah. Uh, there has to be some sort of policy change or, uh, you know, in some cases, mm-hmm. change in laws uh, or additions. Yeah. Uh, so it all comes back to that process. Yeah. I mean, just a quick example. When you talk about housing and the lack of affordable housing and what then is created, which is families who are homeless. You know, a perfect example was recently there was an attempt to build in um, some policy language around inclusionary zoning as we looked at the preferred developer agreement for North of Liberty in Over the Rhine. Um, Unfortunately, you know, Vice Mayor David Mann introduced um, some policy language that one of our member orgs actually, Over the Rhine Community Housing and the Homeless Coalition, helped craft some of that language to build in affordable units into the future housing north of Liberty. And of course, you know, that failed. It was not adopted. And the 3CDC, the developer said, oh, don't worry, we'll make sure it's affordable. Well, affordable is a, is a sort of moving target. It's, 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 it just means 30% of your total income. So the question is income for who, yeah. right? So this is just an example of you know, really digging in and looking at the tough questions and really molding and influencing the future of our city. What kind of city do we want? You know, what do we want it to look like? Who's included? Who is welcome? And are we willing to do the tough work to make sure that we have, 
you know, who doesn't want to live? You know, look, when I say to people, think of a city that you love to visit. What are the things that you look for? You look at public spaces. You look at art. You look, I mean, at least I do. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. But you look at the transit. You know, these are the things that make cities you know, interesting and diverse and thriving. So yeah. let's work towards those things. Well, you also have to have uh, some sort of point of difference from some of those as well, right? You, people have their ideas of what they love about, you know, like New York or Chicago or, or those right. places. But, you know, Cincinnati really is starting to come into our own and, and we need to be able to constantly ask ourselves, what's the, what's the thing that we can own here? Mm. Um, and then also mitigate, you know, some of these other things that are happening. Obviously, as we grow and become more of a destination for tourism, we're going to have to have more and more mass transit. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. the streetcar opening in September, that's going to be mm-hmm. a, a major milestone. But uh, that only covers a small section. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've been talking about the streetcar going uptown mm-hmm. uh, as the next step. So we've, we've got to see that happen. And uh, I think you also need to look at, you know, what all 52 neighborhoods can contribute to the city. Right. Uh, you know, you're in Kennedy Heights. Uh, yeah. I'm moving to Walnut Hills. I'm in Oakley right now, but moving to Walnut Hills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are all vibrant organiza- vibrant neighborhoods that can really deliver some unique things. So yes. it's exciting to hear you talk about uh, working inclusive, uh, yeah. inclusively and yeah. uh, bringing everybody to the table because that, that really mm-hmm. is, I think, the name of the game. Yeah. Awesome. Well, with that... Uh, thank you so much for being here today. All right. I had uh, a great time chatting about Community Shares. Be sure to go on and check them out. Remind us one more time, what's the website for Community it's Shares? It's cintyshares.org. And also, we will be on a float in the Pride Parade, and we will be at Sawyer Point also in the whole like area where the, all the people are. You know, We'll have our little setup down there. So come visit us. Love and it. you can buy tickets for our GGG event at Pride. If you come down to Sawyer Point and come check us out, we'll be there. Awesome. Love it. Community Shares, this is uh, Michelle Dillingham. She's the Executive Director of Community Shares. Thanks so much for being here today. As always, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to go on to iTunes, rate us, download us, share us with your friends. We would love to meet new people. Uh, Thank you again for listening. Have a great day.